This is the 19th season of Bass Talk Live. BTL is presented by Bass Cat Boats, Striking Lures, Aftco, Pro Guide Batteries, X Zone Lures, Shoreline Boat and RV Repair, Spro, Gamakatsu, Big Bite Baits, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, Beatdown Outdoors, and Sunline. BTL, coming at you. Good evening and welcome to another edition of BTL Bass Talk Live, where we are going to talk about bass fishing, joined by fellow Bassmaster Opens EQ winner and also Toyota Series champion and FLW champion. You're a professional angler and a TV host. Andrew Upshaw, uh, also the host of Open Pros Pick'em. We never really had a like recap show. We were supposed to well, have a recap show. I mean, show. we were we were supposed to have a recap show, but I beat everybody so badly. That was a come from behind victory. It I'd was. like to notice that like me and Ish led the way the entire year. And then I think we both fell susceptible to to Todd Castledine's trash talk. Yeah. And then we were all worried about beating Todd. And you came from the back of the pack and, and ended just up slid beating on in there and just just beat everybody. It is. So uh if you guys haven't had a chance to to watch that, uh we've done that for the past uh, is this the second year that I've been a part of the third year? You've done it for what? Four years, four years, four years, uh, Bassmaster fantasy for, uh, those of you that are fish dorks like me and Andrew are, uh, hey, Clay ha actually has a good point. He said, y'all are too close. I agree. It's like, I oh, together or to the camera? I don't know either or. Oh, well, I'm sitting up. I look huge compared to you. That's because you, you've been on like a weight loss kick. Well, uh, you know, how much weight have you lost? About 40 pounds. Seriously? He has about 40. Four, you didn't have 40 to lose. I did. I you had need to add about 15 back. Yeah, no, it worked out pretty well. Uh, but yeah, anyway, uh, we'll do that at the end of the hour. Are we going to do a recap show? for the yeah, we are. We are gonna, we okay. are We're going to do that. Um, this is the seventh Bassmaster Open EQ out of nine. If you guys haven't been following it, uh, they changed things up this year. We're almost to the end of the year. But the top nine in the points... Uh, qualify for the Bassmaster Elite Series, and we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about that later on. But uh, qualify for the 2024 Bassmaster Elite Series. You're actually in a fairly good position right now. There were 170 that started, uh, and now that we're seven in, you think? I mean, what are your thoughts so far on the year on how they did it? They changed it to nine. They changed the practice uh, a month off limits, five practice days what are your thoughts so far on how the year's gone now that we're two-thirds of the way through it i mean it's been good i mean the opens are it, it's just a different animal every single tournament trial i've ever fished has kind of had its own identity and the opens are really no different uh we do have a whole different playing field this year with the off limits with five days of practice and i think you're gonna see a lot of changes coming forward uh, for next year as well you know this is the first year that they've implemented the off limits uh, and it's been good. I mean, it, the lakes aren't getting near the amount of pressure as normal. So, uh, yeah, obviously, uh, it had a good year so far. I've still got three events left. And, you know, a lot can change in those three events. A lot of guys are in there right now that might fall out. You know, we're at a really tough fishery. So, uh, who knows what might happen this week. We'll talk a little bit about the fishery. I want to go back to kind of the qualifying process because what Bass was trying to do was to – 
basically prepare the anglers who qualified through the opens to compete on the elite series. Uh, we had Daryl Gleason on, we had Maddie Wong on BTL last week. Uh, and there's two really good interviews about anglers. Uh, Maddie Wong kind of was thrown into the fire because he went through the bass nation. Uh, but Gleason, uh, was kind of a hardened FLW tour pro and Bassmaster opens pro. Uh, but just, trying to stay on the elite series now that they're kind of at that hundred number they're cutting uh 10 anglers bringing nine anglers back in you've been there done that you fish at a high level you've won at the highest level what are some of the keys that you think uh it needs to happen whether you're fishing a toyota series or an invitational series trying to get to the bpt or whether you're fishing the opens trying to get to the elite series what are some of the key things that anglers need to be very adept at in order to last at that top level you know i mean it, it's a multitude of things right now it, the way it seems you better be darn good at uh forward facing sonar yeah just hate to throw that out there but you better be pretty good at it uh this year for me uh i haven't really used it i mean i've been just fishing basically everywhere i've gone and i'm sitting in 22nd points but as an angler that's looking at trying to qualify for things uh consistency is key i know we talk about it a lot but like it's really really hard to go catch five a day you know matt was talking about his his streak right now i think you're at 19 so are you consecutive yeah i'm like at, 19, both at days. 19 days straight of catching a limit in the open and and that's hard i mean catching a limit every day is the key i remember tommy martin telling me years ago he said if you ever want to make the elite series or or make it to the next level you got to figure out how to catch a limit every single day and at the time i was like oh yeah that's easy like and then now that i get out here it's like oh, okay okay i actually see why it's so difficult and it's just, it seems like it gets harder and harder every time, but it's more of the pressure you put on yourself than the actual fishery. Uh, sometimes, you know, Todd uh, Castledine was telling me the other day, he went into Toledo Bend, you know, we had so many things on our mind at that particular tournament, you know, mm -hmm. trying to get points, trying to get everything right. And he just went into it like, yeah, I'm just going to go fishing because he didn't have anything on the line. And he had a really good event. And, and I've really tried to carry that ever since that particular event that I had a bad one into each event is saying you know what like it doesn't really matter i'm gonna go out there and try to catch five every day and if i, if I do great if i don't whatever and, and just kind of have that just not give a crap attitude but still be smart you know there's you i hear this term a lot you swing for the fence you hear a lot of anglers say that a lot and and it's kind of a silly thing because when you get in the opens or you get in the toyota series you get in the invitationals whatever you're trying to qualify for the worst thing you can do truly is to swing for the fence quote-unquote swing for the fence because 99 percent of the time you're going to fail and if you're in a, a points race you're going to screw up and not do well and so my mentality this year was to just be consistent you don't try to do too much but do just enough to do uh well so that that's been a big deal for you know this season for that, sure that's a good point that you make about points because uh there's a lot of elite series anglers who jump into the Bassmaster Opens mm -hmm. and we see them win at a disproportionate level. Well, mm -hmm. the, I think there's that's a twofold reason. One, they're dang good anglers Absolutely, and they've yeah. proven they can want, win. But two, there's really little reason for them to fish the Opens from a monetary stamp, standpoint. You lose yeah. money fishing the Opens unless you top five or, or win. For there's sure. very few yeah. guys. But the guys who are fishing either a division or jackpotting it for the win or just fishing one trying to make the classic and win 
can fish it totally differently mm -hmm. than the 170 anglers that are in it for the points. And at this point, you've got basically me back. We're kind of on a free roll because we have such an outside shot. I think yeah. I'm in 42nd in the points right now, which I would have to have guys not catch them and me catch them. It'd have to go like this. I mean, you're right here. You just have to go up a little bit yeah. and the field come to you. I've got to have the field come down and I have to go up. But I think that's why you see a lot of the guys who aren't fishing all of them over the last couple of years win uh, and historically in the opens is because A, they don't have the pressure and B, I don't think the uh, casual viewer of the fishing realizes how much differently you fish when you when it's either you know 20 pounds or nothing mm -hmm. like 10 pounds means nothing 15 12 pounds means nothing it's it's either big or bad i mean that's a that's a real thing where you see guys i mean you see a lot of elite series guys that like dump their fish in the opens and don't even weigh in oh, yeah. because there's no point in that yeah yeah you see that a lot and and that's the the reality of it is like I wish I could come into every open with just that, mm -hmm. you know, that mindset of, oh, this doesn't really matter. Like, if I don't catch them, it's no big deal. But in, in the big scheme of things, it does. Uh, but you kind of almost have to trick yourself a little bit. It's an old football trick that I had. And, you know, when you – I used to play tight end in football in, in high school, and, and I played college as a receiver. But in high school, I was playing tight end, so I was having to block these real big defensive ends – big linebackers way bigger than me so i just have to trick myself and that i could take on anybody and the reality was is i would take my my dad which was the head coach told me he said he said i don't expect you to be the best blocker in the world he said i just want you to take three seconds to get your butt whipped if you take three seconds the plays past you but i had to trick myself into thinking that i could not get my butt whipped and just go up there and be meaner than everybody else so and i think in the opens it, it's really equivalent you have to just trick yourself into saying, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to go out there and fish, you know, with no pressure. But at the same time, you've got to still put that high intensity into gear and to, to pay attention to the surroundings and see everything that's going on. I think the more I talk about it and the more I talk about it on BTL and talk to guys, I think that uh, the mental approach, the psychology of it mm -hmm. is drastically underdeveloped in fishing. Uh, oh, yeah. You talk a lot about other individual sports, high-level individual sports, and mental coaches are a massive part of those games. And yeah, they might play more games. We have nine tournaments a year, but we have, uh, like, if you make a three-day tournament, uh, 8, 16, 24, you have mm -hmm. 24 hours of competition by yourself where you can actually like think and overthink and process thoughts. And then we have Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and part of Wednesday as practice, mm -hmm. 12 days of practice. Like that's a lot of hours to get inside your own head. Mm -hmm. And I, the more you talk to, and the more I've interviewed these guys who are at the very top level of the game, they have this part figured out mm -hmm. and they don't question themselves when they don't catch them. And they don't, think they have all the answers to the world when they do catch them, but they all seem, have you noticed, I mean, you spent a lot of time around the top guys in the world, mm -hmm. Andrew, they all seem to have like a weird inner calm about them with several exceptions, but yeah, but would you not agree that there's like a weird chill that they all seem to kind of share? You know? Yeah. I mean, and, and all of them have little ticks and they, yeah. all of them have their own little thing that makes them successful. But yeah, no, I mean, it's you look at all the top athletes in the world, no matter what the sport is, they, their mental game is, in my opinion, like 60% of it. You know, mm -hmm. you're, 
some people are just gifted athletically or, you know, they can read fish. I mean, look at Jacob Wheeler. His mental game is probably one of the best ones out there, in my opinion. I've yeah. been in the boat with him a lot. And, I mean, just the way he breaks down water, how quickly he breaks down water, how he's always on the fly thinking of new things and new ideas and new ways to, to catch fish. It's actually, you know, you, you see him get a lot of hate sometimes on social media and places like that, but I've witnessed it firsthand. And it's it's absolutely one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. And so you look at a guy like Kevin Van Dam. Kevin is probably one of the guys that got pulled in every single direction and was able to still maintain his high athleticism on the sport. And his mental game was probably one of the best out there. Greg Hackney is another great example. I remember getting on the bus with Greg Hackney at the Classic and – he would just stare people down. He wouldn't talk to anybody. And the, it, I promise you it took out at least three or four competitors because really? he just was so locked in and so mental that guys couldn't handle it because they try to talk to him and he would just look at them and it would just throw them off. And like, they would be like, well, does Greg not like me now? And they would think about it forever. And it was one of the most fascinating things I've ever seen in my entire life. What are your thoughts on, the difference between on the water and during competition and off the water. Cause fishing is a weird sport where if you do something on the water, it carries off the water, but in any other sport, like I think of like agitators in hockey, mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, that's just the type of player he is. Mm -hmm. And then off the ice, everyone loves him, competitors yeah. and everything. Oh, yeah. But in fishing, it seems like there is like Edwin is a good example for mm -hmm. me, like fierce competitor on the water get out of my way. He does this thing incredibly cordial, nice off yeah. the water. Don't really have a, a great vibe on the water. And there's a yeah. number of those guys like that, but it seems to like peg them as guys who are, why do you think it translates off the water in fishing, but in other sports, they can just say it's almost like seen like as a badge of honor. Yeah. I, I don't do you agree. With yeah, you no, I, I do. And, it's and one weird. of the best ones to me is Iconelli. Yeah. Uh, once again, we were at a tournament and we came head to head. And he didn't say a word to me. And he's casting in the front of my boat. I'm casting it in front of his boat. And it was like super high intensity. Nobody spoke to each other. And we turned and went separate ways. And then after the tournament, he comes up to me and he shakes my hand. And he's like, hey. He said a lot of guys would have buckled or like freaked out. He's like, you just kept going. And I caught one right off his troll motor almost. And he was super cool about so it. So you think he was intentionally trying to, oh, yeah. eat, to push you out of the area to 100%. see how you would react? Yeah, no, that's exactly what he was doing. He was, And he told me as much. Like, he was really trying to push because mm -hmm. I was a college angler. Like, and, and a lot of guys, and, and honestly, I just, I don't think I would, knew enough to know any better. Yeah. Like, I just was like, well, I've been fishing here, so I'm not going to leave at this point. And I just caught one. So, uh but yeah, he he's one of those guys that in the moment in the tournaments, like you don't want to go head to head with that guy. Like he is like so intense, so there. But off the water, I, he sat down at the same tournament and talked to me for an hour and a half about a technique, and I literally just asked him one simple question, and he sat me down at a picnic table and talked me through everything. Probably one of the nicest guys off the water, and I'm not saying he's not a nice yeah. guy on the water, but he's just in his moment. You know, he's mm -hmm. in his zone and. And I'm, I would never knock anybody for being in their zone in those events. Matty Wong talked about that when I had him on for the evening show. And basically he said that he is still on the elite series because he stood his ground mm -hmm. against a veteran. He didn't name the veteran yeah. and he wasn't talking trash about yeah. him or anything. He was just saying, I learned how I had to stand my ground and compete. And in 
past years, there's no way I would have been able to do that. And he did it this time and it paid off with the top five finish. It's yeah. basically the reason why he's still on the elite series because another competitor basically kind of did that same thing. Yeah. And I mean, and, and as a competitor, I kind of understand where they're coming from. Mm -hmm. I mean, because if somebody's going to be that easily uh, manipulated mm -hmm. or pushed away, then I mean, why not at least give it a shot? Tommy Biffle was one of the most famous for doing that. He'd get off my water. You know, and like, you know, get out of my creek, whatever. And, and a lot of guys would fold to it. I mean, because they were scared to death of Tommy. And then some of them would stand up to him and he'd just kind of laugh it off and roll on. You like, know? how many would you say tense interactions you've had? And you fished the FLW Tour for five years? Uh, eight or nine. Eight or nine? Mm -hmm. Good Lord, we're getting mm -hmm. old. Yes, yes. We really are. <laughs> I can get up in the eight, morning. Eight, it's eight years. Eight. Yeah. Like, how many... Like you would consider tense interactions, did you have over the course of those eight years? I mean, quite a few. Really? I mean, so yeah. it goes down a lot more. Yeah, not, and I'm not saying quite a few, like twenty or something, but like five or seven around that range. Okay, so like one a year. Yeah, one a year, basically. I mean, but it would it'd be one of those where it's like, and and they got le less and less the longer I stayed on tour. Uh, but man, there in the first couple of years, I got, you know, there were some guys that would push you pretty hard because you were a rookie because they didn't know. Yeah. I mean, you're knew. a young guy and they, they think that they, you know and I mean? I understand. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, dude, I, if anybody understands the mental game of in, any sport, I'm not saying I'm a, a veteran in mental games, but I've been around the mental game for a really long time. Uh, my dad was a head coach for almost 40 years. Wow. And so I got to learn the mental game, at least a football in the beginning, you know, and, and it translates to everything. I mean, every sport, whether they are different, they're all the same mentally. You have to have a strong mental background to be able to compete. I mean, and I'm a competitor and I'm going to work my butt off to, to compete. So. so you talk about the strong mental game. Let's transition that into a fishery. Like we're on this week, Watts mm -hmm. bar Lake. We knew when the schedule came out, September Watts bar, we've seen, uh, MLF events here. We've seen uh, BFL read. We've seen a bunch of tournaments mm -hmm. here. Cannot lock into Chickamauga. Uh, it's a known fact that it's not a juggernaut of a fishery, that yeah. it's going to be tough. You come in here. Uh, what What is your mentality going into tough fisheries? We saw a little bit on the Elite Series with the Sabine River where they have it every year. But you come to a lake where you know, especially where we're going to uh, Lake of the Ozarks next week on a back-to-back, -back, and we just came off of a St. Lawrence River where mm -hmm. 20 pounds didn't even get you a top 20 finish yeah. each day. Talk a little bit about how you play your mental game coming to a fishery in contention to make the Bassmaster Elite Series and not get discouraged and kind of the mental approach that you take when you launched your boat last or three days ago now? Well, you know, I mean, honestly, it, I like the tough fisheries probably mm -hmm. the best because right out, out the gate, you can eliminate, eliminate about half the field because they are so, they already know. They already know it's going to be hard. They're going to go, they, everybody came into this particular event with something on their mind. Like yeah. I'm going to go catch them doing a, B and C. Mm -hmm. And then when they went and did a, B and C and they didn't catch anything, they went, well, I'm not going to catch any fish in this tournament. And I can understand where they're coming from. My mentality coming into this was it doesn't matter what I go and try to do. I'm just going to try to do something that I am good at. Mm -hmm. And the more I can do something that I'm good at, the more likely I'm going to roll across and find something. And you got to have that mentality, especially at tough events. When you go try the kitchen sink and you're trying all these things that you're not worth the crap at, 
that's when you you're gonna mess up. You're gonna spread yourself out. You're gonna go, you know, like for me, I could go out there and use Active Target and shine around and and focus so hard on something like that, or I could go do something I'm way better at, and that's what I'm doing this week, you know. And and I think really focusing on what you're the very best at. Like if you said, okay, these are my three best things. That's what I'm gonna go do. That's what you should go do. Uh, whether you win or you don't, because day in and day out, if you go do your strengths, you're going to have a good finish more times than not. And so consistency, when you look at a consistent basis, uh, I know if I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, and those are my three best techniques, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go catch them no matter where I'm at, what time of year. Now I might not catch 20 pounds a day, like at St. Lawrence or something, but I can go catch some fish and I'll figure out a way. It's like the Tommy Biffle approach. Biffle was good at two things and still is good at two things. Bugging and flipping. Bugging and flipping. And day in and day out, that's what he goes and does. And I can promise you, when the bug bite or the flipping bite's on, he's right there towards the top because he's one of the best at it. So, you know, you just got to figure out what you're going to do, what your best techniques are, and just exploit them. And every fishery, you can can do your best stuff and catch them, except sight fishing, obviously. Like, it's harder to do it if it's not a bed fishing. You know, there's obviously some limitations there, but everybody has a couple things they really like to do. Yeah. Cause I mean, this week I struggled. I mean, I called you and mm-hmm. I was freaking out because I had, I had a preconceived notion yep. of how I wanted to catch them this week. And I went and did it and I went and did it some more. Mm-hmm. And I went and did it some more. And then I called you and said, well, uh, we got an issue here. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's not working. Yeah. And, uh, it, it, it's just interesting because I struggle with that mental because I came in planning to do one thing and saying, this is what I'm really good at, what yeah. I like to do. And when that didn't work, I had to completely readjust my attitude. And I went through some frustrations this week, but mm-hmm. so did you. Yeah, no, I mean, you went through some real frustrations, yeah. but you always stayed what I like. You always stayed really positive. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say I was negative, but I was more discouraged. Yeah. You're more discouraged than you yeah. were. Until we found something that yeah. that started clicking for you, yeah. uh, and and then ironically, I found something that was isn't what you're doing that started clicking for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was it was an interesting mental, and it's still messing with me because I still want to go do it, even yeah. though I know that it's not the thing. I'll still probably go do it tomorrow. Well, and th- and that's the thing. That's a lot of things a lot of guys overlook is even when you get in a bad event, when you know for a fact, Louisville was one of those kind of places. Yeah, you I know, struggled you know, I mean, time you, mentally You can there. really just kick yourself in the, the butt by having a couple bad hours. And the thing is, when you get on a really hard place like Watts Bar, like Louisville, I can name so many places, especially September, yeah. August, September. There's nothing frame. against the fishery. No, the fishery no, no. is gorgeous, yeah, it's, beautiful. Yeah, it's the people great. here have been top-notch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a tough fishery at a tough yeah, time. Yeah, and, and you just gotta stay positive because the guy that lets that negative negativities uh, creep in are the ones that are really gonna mess up. Mm-hmm. You know, and and honestly, one of the things that I did this week is I would take a break. And I know that sounds kind of silly, but like I would go three or four hours, and maybe those three or four hours were horrendous. Like I didn't catch anything. I would just sit down in my boat. I'd drink something. I'd watch a couple videos on Instagram. I'd make a post. I'd call my wife, whatever. And then I'd get back to it. I'd kind of reset myself a little bit. And now, granted, you can't do that in the tournament. But in, in practice, in well, yeah, you're not really supposed to use your phone in the tournament. <laughs> oh, though. no. I meant yeah. reset, oh, take no, a break, yeah, but sit I, down, I do that go a lot. out in the middle yeah. of the lake. Yeah, and actually thinking of that, I actually left all my food 
for tomorrow in my truck. So I have to get that here soon. But yeah, the, the big thing is, is, is really taking a second, just level back out, eat you a snack, drink you something that that's going to re-energize you, get you back in a good mood and everything. You know, honestly, I always have an uptick every time I do that. So it's always a really good idea. Yeah. I, I used to be that angler that never ate, never drank. And I would just fish all day, you know, daylight to dark. And I'd, by the end of it, I was just dead and I'd have a lot of negativity and you just can't be so, like that. Uh, one of the things that I'm working on for a fall show on BTL is to have a nutritionalist on mm -hmm. specifically a sports nutritionalist. Who's going to talk about the benefits of staying properly hydrated and having energy in your body and how it not only impacts uh, your body, but your mental game, yeah. your decision-making, your focus, your attitude, all of that. Uh, cause that's something that I really, really struggle with on the water, uh, just like the mental game. So I kind of explored on shows like yeah. we did with, uh, Katie Gruber, the mental coach is to get a nutritionist on to really talk mm -hmm. about it because it is interesting. There are guys who are a uh, pack of cigarettes or a can of dip oh, and yeah. uh, Coca-Cola and that's all they do. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of guys, a lot of the far more guys at the top of the game that have prepackaged meals, oh, nutrition, yeah. jugs of water. And that really isn't focused on, but I think that, uh, that's something when there's no tournaments or qualifications to talk about that I'm going to revisit on BTL this year. Yeah, no, it's really, really important. I can't stress it enough to stay hydrated. I mean, just as something as simple as drinking enough water will increase your sharpness, increase your castability, your accuracy. Castability. Yeah, everything. I mean, casting ability. Casting ability, I guess, <laughs> whatever. It's castability of my rod and reel. No, but, uh, your casting ability, you know, mm -hmm. be accurate and things like that. Catch something out of the corner of your eye and be able to react to it. Um, I mean, I hate to keep bouncing back to football, but that's a big important aspect of football as well as being hydrated, eating a good meal, you know, just being prepared mentally. I mean, because when you get out there in those tournaments, it goes way faster. It might be eight hours, but it feels like four. And if you're not sharp and you're not on your game, you can be left behind. So are you a fan of – blocking your day or just letting it flow because what I tend to do just to get myself through it like on tough days like I'm okay tomorrow I know what I'm going to do until 9 a.m mm -hmm. and then at 9 I'm going to go do this and then at 11 I'm gonna go do this on tougher events do you do more kind of mental planning for your day or do you just let it flow. Like, do you think that's a mistake that I'm kind of no. thinking that out in my head like that? No, I mean, you got to have a plan. Everybody, I mean, if you just go out there saying, you know what, I'm just going to see what happens. That's probably the worst plan you can ever have. And I'm not saying see what happens in like, mm -hmm. I'm going to go here, here, and here. I'm saying see what happens, but I don't even know where I'm going to start. I'm just going to go wing it. Uh, even on my worst events, I always have a plan, whether it be where I'm going to start. Actually, the starting place has kind of always been tossed up in the air with me. I have to go off a feeling. Like if I say, hey, you know what? I need to go there and start while I'm running down the lake. I will make that adjustment. But just because you have a great plan, just because your plan, you know, X, Y, Z is your plan. This is your timing on everything. Just because that's your plan, you got to still have the capacity to say, you know what? This is not working. I've done it for 30 minutes. I've done it for 40 minutes. I should have had three or four bites by now. I need to adjust right now. And maybe you have to leave what you're planning on doing 30 minutes early, an hour early. And it's because the day wasn't right. Maybe the it's a higher pressure day or something like that. You have to be able to adjust on those particular days. 
And I think that's probably what I saw with Wheeler that was the most impressive to me was, and I remember the tournament very well where I really realized just how great he was. We were at Lake Hartwell, and both of us had gotten on this Shadrap bike, and we are going to the backs of these pockets, and we are running real dirty water. Well, I ran like six or eight of them, and I hadn't had a bite. And it was so good that you could run one. Yeah, I mean, well, you could get a bite off every one of them. And I ran like six or eight, never had a bite. And I ended up not doing very well in the tournament. Uh, I mean, I still got a check, but I didn't, you know, top 10 or anything like that. And Wheeler did top 10 it. And I was like, dude, what did you do? How did you catch them? And he told me, he was like, I said, did you catch them shad wrapping? And he's like, no. He said, I went and did it for 20 minutes and I ran three places that I should have had a bite. And I just bailed on it and went and did something else. And, and I didn't make that adjustment for four hours and he did it in 20 minutes. Yeah. And you know, and that's the difference. And and that was Which pretty gave young. Him a whole other half day to go figure out how to catch fish. A hundred percent. You know, yeah. and I'm like, man, like I'm way behind. And I it started making me realize just how much time I was wasting because I got so game plan oriented and didn't make adjustments. So yes, it's good to have game plans, but game plans can also hurt you in the the spur of the moment in the day because everything changes. Just like any sport, you have to adjust how the day goes. And I think that's what makes guys good to great and great to the best. And and if you can make those adjustments, and that that's the biggest key to anything. I wasn't planning on going down that wormhole, but I'm glad we did. Sorry that's about that. Talk. No, you don't have to apologize. I thought that was good. We've never actually like talked about yeah. that type of stuff. I mean, we room together, we talk about the fishing and stuff like that. Uh, but let's dive in a little bit. What do you think you need to do? to have a shot to make the elite series. I mean, there's a lot of people that are yeah. following it, the journey. You have your own YouTube channel, a lot of people rooting for you. Uh, Finish-wise and points-wise, what do you need to go into the Harris chain in Florida the second week of October with a legit shot of finishing in the top 10? You know, my wife, I'm just going to go ahead and say, she is a whiz at this. It's unbelievable how accurate she is. She told me, you sent me some stats the yeah. other day. Before you sent those to me, she told me she's she'd done the math and everything. She's like, given like the circumstance at the end of the year, you got some tough fisheries. She's like, you need at bare minimum three averaged out top thirties. That's really doable, and and it is doable, and and you know because you you have to calculate that chance factor because you know typically based off the numbers right now, you, I need three top twenties. So, but as it all falls out, thirty. So you have ninety points to play with in three I've events. Got, yeah. I've so got, if you finish yeah. below ninetieth, you're done in yeah. any of them. Well, you know, but it, it yeah. I mean, That's what I'm saying. Yeah, because yeah, you have ninety yeah. points. But yeah. if you go twentieth and fortieth, then you're still averaging exactly. that thirtieth. So yeah, I mean, you've got so, a yeah. little bit of wiggle room. A little but bit. Not it would much. be nice have going into Florida having to finish. 80th to yeah. hit your goal well i mean and as of right now i mean i've had one bad event and i was at my best lake in the country at toledo being 117 preconceived notions preconceived, and i did I, I did i, I got attitude. so locked into certain things that i didn't adjust mm -hmm. and and it was my i mean it was 100 percent. i just it spun me up but my other ones were 53rd 51st uh 31st 30th and 15th so i mean i've had three mm -hmm. in the 30s or you know or 30 or better um, and so, I mean, I'm fishing as good as I have in the last handful of years. I mean, I could Is that ask, mental? No, you seem yeah. like you're in a way better attitude than oh, you were the yeah. last couple of years. You know, I mean, honestly, I got, I got off to a little bit better start this year at Ufala. 
um, that always helps me. If I get if I start bad, it just is downhill from there for me most of the time. Uh, but the other thing is I've really refocused a lot of my attention and my time, uh, whether it be to my TV show Let's Fish TV or spending time with my family, my son. I've spent just an absolute ton of time with him uh, the last year and basically two years, just sports and everything, training for different things. So I I've just tried to find what's most important. And honestly, I think it's just made my fishing better because I've practiced less this year than I have any other year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, we're given five days and I think I'm practicing on average right now about two to two and a half days per event, uh, maybe three days. And so, I mean, that's been my average. And even though we're given almost five days, I'm still not taking all five days. Uh, I'm giving myself a little more rest and just taking that time that I need to, to kind of reset a little bit. And then you're able to fish a little bit freer, have an idea. Absolutely. You good on that? Yeah. 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 I'll call her back. Just making sure. Oh yeah. No, we're good. You don't want to end up in the doghouse the night before the tournament. No, no, no. I'll call her back here in a second. All right. Uh, This tournament, I mean, it's really hard to kind of predict what's going to happen on these tough tournaments. At least for me, it is. I've covered a ton of them uh, on the Elite Series and the FLW Tour. And if there's one thing, it'll always surprise you on the top end from what I've found Mm -hmm. on these tough tournaments. And it'll always surprise you on the bottom end. Yeah. And the middle is truly a question mark until yeah. you get out there and start fishing. So what what would you be happy with this week to, before the tournament even starts? If you said, you know, X goal weight, regardless of where it puts me, I'll freaking take it. Uh, 12 pounds a day. Oh, come on. No, <laughs> no uh, honestly, I'd be pretty happy with about 9 to 10. Um, honestly, it's just a really hard place. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously I know, I feel like I know what it's going to take to make a top 10 and make a top you know, to win, make a check. I, I really think to, to get a top 10 in this particular event, you're going to need 11, 11 and a half pounds a day. I think the winning way to be anywhere between 13 to 13 and a half a day, uh, in a check, that's the biggest question mark, yeah. I guess, of anything this year, more than any other year, it, it's been insane how well the field has caught. Yeah. I've been way off on my guesstimates, my weights, what every single year. Yeah. Is that a, I'm not, I mean, I don't want to get into this conversation, but I'll mention it. Is that a live scope deal? Yeah, no, it is. And part of it, it's a big live scope thing. And mainly just because uh, it's opening the lake up a little bit, you know, and when you get in these really, really tough events like this, you're going to see it play more because the fishing is so tough. However, the one cool thing about the fall is I don't care how great a live scoper you are. That's when everything starts to suspend. You got a lot more trash fish, especially fishery like this. You got a ton of trash fish, whether it be carp, a drum, catfish, you name it, you know, stripers, white bass. It's really hard to lock in on that deal. Some undoubtedly somebody will, um, but it really levels it out a little bit, especially this time of time of year, unlike some of the other times of year. Weights have been up, but even then you get on a really tough fishery like this. I think it honestly, I think it'll level out. I, I think the weights are gonna still kind of be kind of terrible, to be honest. Um I I still don't think it takes more than about seven and a half to eight pounds a day to get a check. Yeah, I'd be elated with anything double digits. Yeah. Any anything that averages out to double digits over yeah. the tournament, but uh, 
with a 15 inch limit and an 18 inch limit on smallmouth here, uh, you can you can catch a limit that weighs like seven pounds. That's the problem. Yeah, I mean, a lot of I, I caught a couple like 16, 17 inch fish this week that should have been three pounders that I promise you pound and three quarter, maybe, yeah. you know, I mean, and that really destroys the weights massively. I mean, it's not anything else. Uh, I mean, you're, you're still catching some keepers from time to time, but God, they're just so skinny and it's, it's really going to affect the weight significantly. And anytime you get in a situation like that, I mean, even when this place is fishing, like really, really good, the weights aren't that great anyway. So, um, I, I just don't think the weights are going to be where we want them to be. I, I know they had a tournament this past weekend, 13 pounds won it, 10 pounds was 10th place as a team tournament, had quite a few boats in it and locals. I mm. mean, so, you know, I, I just don't foresee the weights just skyrocketing. We were supposed to have a front come in. The front didn't come in. Uh, we didn't really have a significant weather change to really ignite the fish, so to speak. So I think it's going to be a lot of the same that we've had this week. That's it. Uh, you mentioned it, the Let's Fish TV, the TV show. You're like fully in charge of that now. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. How many shows a year? 39. 30. I did one on, uh, I can't remember the name of the lake, Sky Took. Sky Took, yeah. And uh, ironically, a little backstory on that. It was supposed to be a hybrid and a white bass show that turned into a walleye and smallmouth show. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it was a good show. And I mean, it's it's a really a, a lot of fun to shoot the, mm -hmm. the TV shows. I, I actually, right before I left for this event, I shot two or three. I shot three. I had to fly to Clear Lake. And I shot a show with Ish. Is Monroe. he like nicer to you than he is to me? Ish? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're cool, man. God, it's just you, man. Nice. It's just you. But we shot a show at Clear Lake. I actually ran the camera for that one. Um, and then we, I shot a show at Somerville in Texas, and I shot a, a one at Sabine Lake, which turned out amazing. Like that Sabine, show, is that related to the Sabine River? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's better than the Sabine River? Oh, my gosh. Like, well, Sabine Lake empties into the Gulf, and okay. it, it was a redfish show. Oh, so, And so we absolutely sure. destroyed them. I mean, some big redfish and quite a few of them. That actually airs uh, this Thursday at 530. Best place to watch it, see it, if they have yeah. cable TV, if they're an app person yeah you you can catch it on bally sports southwest southeast depending on the territory you're in um you can also catch it on waypoint tv and we will post it on youtube the following week so in case you miss it it is that particular show i i just got done watching it to review it make sure all our ads and everything are in the right place and it was it turned out so good i mean we caught me and a, my buddy lance duff uh, caught them i mean it was it was a lot of fun and and not just like your traditional way we kind of did uh we we're actually like bass fishing for them like off the bank like like dragons yeah stuff? it was super weird and we like just figured it out don't oh yeah dude, it was them? unbelievable like, like shrimp or no we were using little soft plastic jerk baits and you're worming it on the bottom in like eight to ten foot of water and they would eat it i never even heard of that how'd you well, even figure that out well he was up there casting a crankbait at him and he catches one, and I'm like, I've just pitched one out, and I'm just letting it go on the bottom, and I catch a, a good red, and I catch a good trout, and then just we caught a bunch right there, and it was just kind of unreal. Do you take uh, do you take show suggestions if someone yeah, has a show suggestion? Yeah, absolutely. We take all kinds of shows. Slide into your DM. Yeah, just if you have a show suggestion, or if you have a place that you think we should go, that's just unbelievable. Saltwater, freshwater. Yeah, we're, we do everything. Across the country. You know, catfish, white bass, stripers, bass, crappie. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. Just send me a message. You can send it to Andrew Upshaw Fishing on Instagram. You can send to Let's Fish TV on Instagram or Facebook. 
Uh, I love taking those suggestions because sometimes we find out some really cool things. I actually have a really cool show for next year. Uh, one of my co-hosts, uh, our guest host, uh, English Glover out of uh, South Carolina, is going to do a shad show where he goes and catches those real big shad. Oh, the American shad? Yeah. Like where the, they run on the east. Yeah, yeah, dude, I've always wanted to do that. Because yeah, it's gonna, not like yeah. shad like we think. No, no. Like they're they like, eat jigs and stuff. Yeah, they're giant ones. Now, don't too. they smoke them or something? Yeah, like, oh, yeah, it's it's wild. But, yeah, we're going to have a show like that for next year. So I'm always up for really cool suggestions. All right, well, it is the evening before the tournament. When we're live here, uh, we both have a little bit of tackle to wrap up. We have to grab dinner, get our camera stuff ready for the next day. But we definitely wanted to jump on a good number of live people on tonight. Thank you guys for uh, for sticking it out. I know we didn't have a show yesterday, but tomorrow, uh, Frank Scalish back a uh, a really cool show tomorrow with Frank. It is all about the DD-22. Oh, that's cool. Like 30 years of the DD-22. He's going through the different, uh, like, there are suspending ones, plus fours, the buterate, the different types of plastic, why a DD-22, like, is slow, but when it works the best, about its its deflection. It's the best uh, brush pile crankbait ever made. Uh, He talks about that because he said, anyway, you'll have to listen to the show on why he says why, but I never thought of it because, to me, the DD-22 always... You know, I like to throw you. You get like the uh, the little John DD down oh. there, and it's like I mean it and it. But in certain situations, that real weird slow yeah. DD twenty two. Anyway, Frank dives completely into that, uh, and we have some information on some new stuff that we have coming out with that. So uh, we're gonna wrap things up for tonight, Andrew. Thanks for jumping on, listeners. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, are you gonna update your bass track tomorrow? Yes, Andrew will be updating his bass track. I tend to only update my bass track once I catch five. So if I update my bass track before noon, I'll be thrilled. The wife's called you four times. Now you better get that. Yeah, I better get that. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in to a special live edition of BTL tomorrow, 830 a.m. Central Time. Uncle Frank show will air. We'll see everybody then.